morning. It is good to be with you guys this morning. And, uh, and so I appreciate so much the privilege and opportunity to get to be here with my friends. And, uh, and so uh, what a joy to, uh, to have the privilege not only to worship with you, since the presence of the Lord here already, know God's going to do something great in this place. And I want to say thanks. It is good to be with you guys. Good to see you again. And just want you to know I love you. I appreciate you and uh, admire you and uh, just so excited for what God is doing here in this place under your leadership. And, uh, and man, you guys, I don't know if you, we've had the privilege, you know, I've had the privilege of traveling across this state. We've gotten to be in a number of churches and we understand, and he could never say this about it. Well, he might could say it, but I don't know. Chantel would never say it about herself. Anyway, but you guys have some premier pastors, and I don't know if you understand how blessed you are. Uh, we get to see a lot of different places, a lot of different situations. And uh, I, just, I just think you guys have some top-notch folks right here who are serving you and leading you. And uh, never let them forget how much you love them and appreciate them, okay? And that'll be a great thing. So, hey, my name is Alan Chapin, and uh, I am thoroughly, thoroughly happily married, uh, just celebrated 22 years, not quite 71, but we're working on it. We're doing what we can. And, uh, we are laughing our way along. <laughs> There's plenty of laughs. <laughs> oh man, we won't even get into that. That's a whole different uh, thing. We'll leave that alone for tonight, but, uh, but having a great time married to Angela, AKA PR 31. That is, uh, stands for Proverbs 31. She's the Proverbs 31 woman, in my opinion. And so that's her nickname that she has obtained over the years. And uh, she tells me to stop it, but I don't do it anyway. So uh, she didn't tell me what to do. <laughs> oh, I just heard this. It's funny. This is funny. Can it, uh, people tell jokes? Is it, okay, all right. Okay, good, good, good. You go to some churches that are very serious, and they don't play. And it's like, you know, I went to one church uh, and spoke, and, uh, and somebody told me, said, hey, you know all that funny stuff that you do sometimes? This is probably not the place for that. And I was like, really? <laughs> Uh, okay, but anyway, so so there, uh, there were in heaven uh, came time to judge folks, and uh, this is not real. Obviously, it's not doctrine correct at all. So this is just fun, okay? And uh, I occasionally know the difference. And so, uh, so there were uh, God said He was going to divide all the men into two lines. All the men in two lines, and in one line there was going to be all the men who were the head of their household. All right, they wore the pants in their family. And then there was another line for all the men who did not wear the pants in their family. And so the line for the men that did not wear the pants in their family, it, it, it was 100 miles long. And in the other line, the guys that were in charge, they were, they were the leader of their household. There was one man. And, and so God is looking at him, he's going, guys, come on, man, I designed you to lead. I designed you to set the example. I designed, come on, I, I put you there to help your family and lead. There's only this one guy who can stand up and be the leader in his family? Seriously? And he says, son, I just, I want to applaud you. Could you tell, how did you do it? He goes, I don't know. My wife told me to come stand in this line. <laughs> Oh, listen, men, we may be the head, but we know there's a neck that turns the head, don't we? Okay. And so I am happily married uh, to Angela, and we have a great time together. She is beautiful inside and out. And then we have two amazing 
uh, sons, Alex and Austin. I will probably mention a little bit of their story along the way today, but uh, just phenomenal. We're having a great time. We're celebrating Christmas in July this week in our family. Just decided we were going to do it. Just said... Christmas in July, right now, this is what it's going to be. And so we are having a blast. We started decorating the house. We made a YouTube video. We did, like, it's nuts. There's a tree. There's everything. We're doing the, we're doing the deal. It's Christmas in July, and uh, it's fun. You should try it sometime. Uh, Pastor, I'm mentioned that uh, I'll tell you a little bit about what I'm doing. I'm traveling some and, and, and preaching like this, but I'm also writing. write a daily blog and uh, six days a week, and so if you want to follow that, it's just uh, encouragement and motivation. It's not going to be a downer. Uh, so, in fact, I wrote one the other day. I was like, Angela, tell me, tell me what you think about this right here. I was thinking about this, but it doesn't sound right. She goes, that's not encouraging at all. Don't, don't publish that. That's like, I don't want to read that. And I was like, good to know. So, uh, so you can be assured that it has been uh, tested and approved and probably will encourage you if you read it. It's at alanchapin.com. Imagine that. That's very self-serving. But anyway, uh, if you can't remember that, there are some of these cards out on the table. It also has my phone number. If you call, I may not answer. But anyway, um, you probably email. <laughs> so it's on there too. I am working on a, uh, the first uh, book that uh, I've written and uh, hope to have it uh, released and published sometime in in the middle of September. It's a book that's called, I Got a D in Leadership, Anyone Can Lead. And uh, so whether you, you think that you can or not, Pastor Mo's preaching about it next week that everybody has a part to play. And so the book is kind of a, a way that we can all find a place and do that. And then, Lord willing, we'll release the second one. I've started writing that. And uh, hopefully it will come out in late November, early December. And so I don't know what God's going to do exactly in my life, but I do know this, that somewhere along the way I'm going to write some things that he's put in my heart. So it's good. Hey, I'll tell you one more, and then uh, i got to share God's Word with you today. I don't have to. I get to. It's a privilege. But uh, this little old lady locked her keys in her car, and uh, she couldn't get them out. She had gone in grocery shopping. She came out. She couldn't get the keys out of the car. She was tried 15 minutes, just frantic, finally stopped, said, Lord, please send me somebody to help me get my keys. I need to get in my vehicle. And so about that time, the big biker, big burly biker in the leather, and he's tatted all up, and he's got all the piercings and everything, he kicks his Harley off, jumps out, is there a problem, ma'am? You know, she's like, I can't get in my car. He's about 15 seconds, he's got her in her car. He breaks into the car, gets her in there, and she's just so excited, and she, she gives him a big old hug, and she says, Lord, thank you for sending this nice man to help me get my keys out of my car. And he pushes her back a little bit, says, oh, hangs his head, said, oh, no, ma'am, please, I'm not a nice man. In fact, I just got out of prison for uh, car theft, for auto theft. And she, she stopped, she hugged him again, and she said, and thank you, Lord, for sending me a professional. <laughs> oh, my word. Dear Jesus, help us today. You guys will appreciate this more than any. How many, has anybody here ever attended the, the Assemblies of God camp in Woodworth? You've ever been there over the years? Is it, okay, you've been to that camp. Over the years, some of you who are a little bit older will remember this, but when I first came to Louisiana, I didn't know all about how everything worked. I grew up in the Houston area. I married a Louisiana girl. I got here as fast as I could. And, and, and so we were, uh, we were at camp, and then, and then, man, we hadn't been here hardly any time in Louisiana. 
and then I'm serving as the district youth director, and I'm, you know, I come in, and I'm, I'm trying to be a good leader, you know, I'm new to this whole thing. Well, there was a lady and her husband who cooked at our campground for a number of years, and by the time that I became the district youth director, they had been serving at that campground for about 30 years, and they cooked the most phenomenal food that you have ever eaten in your entire life, if you imagine really well. And, and that, but I remember that Stuart and Ruby Nations were like the deal at camp. And they would, I mean, if we had anything baked, it was made from scratch by Mr. Stewart. And oh man, if we had hamburgers, the hamburger buns were made from scratch. And, and the cinnamon rolls that have never been the same since he passed on. And, and, and I remember Miss Ruby, now listen, Miss Ruby, she loved Jesus and she loved people, but you didn't always know it, Okay. All right, she ran that kitchen like a, uh, 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 well, yeah, like a drill sergeant. Yes, that's, I was trying to get the right words. That was perfect, like a drill sergeant. And I, she was so fierce. She was so intense. And in there were, she didn't want people like, she would have people come in that kitchen and use her scissors and they would leave with them. So she finally chained her scissors to a pole in the kitchen. So you would come in to serve a meal and she would say, now come back here to this sink and, and you're going to wash your hands in the water that is at least this temperature. You're going to use this soap. You're going to dry off with this many paper towels. You're going to put on these gloves and this hairnet and you're going to go and here's the scoop and you don't serve more than this scoop because we got to keep this thing on a budget and you know you got and so she would she had this whole thing and she was I remember one time I was I just started first camp I came in and I leaned back against one of those tables now you know what is about to happen probably if you've been there before but I leaned back against one of the tables and kind of sat on it a little bit and about that time somebody walks up from behind and pinches me behind and and I jumped off the table. I looked around. It's Miss Ruby. She said, get off my table. I said, Miss Ruby, I'm a married man. You can't do that. You, I'm, I'm supposed to be the leader here. I'm trying to, you know, I, yeah, I'm going to be in the other line in heaven if you know. Okay, somebody. Okay, so I need, and trying, she said, just don't sit on the tables. And she was there. And so it happened that one of the first weeks that I was there leading, I needed to get into the storage room that doubled as her office. And because we were going to do something that night was sponsored or something. I don't know what we were going to do. But I needed to get something, and it was stored. All the dry goods were stored in that room. And so I went to go in the room and... And I, I couldn't get in it. And I went to the other door, couldn't get in it. I came back to the first door. I looked, there's a padlock on the door. I was like, a padlock on the door? And I don't know, we had to wing it. We had to figure out some other way to do what we were going to do that night. Next morning, I said, Miss Ruby, I'm going to need a key to that room. Last night, I needed to get something out of that room, and I couldn't get it. And so I'm going to need a key. She said, you can't have one. I said, now wait a minute. <laughs> I said, uh, no, because I'm, while we're leading these camps, I, we've got stuff that we have bought that's in there. I need to access that so that we can use it for the stuff. Because our department bought it. You know, it belongs to us. But it's locked up in that room. And I can't get it. 
And so I'm going to need to get a copy of that key. She said, you can't have one. Now, you can push me a long, 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 long way. But I'm one of those dudes that when you push me too far, it's problematic. And I don't always blow up. You know, I don't always lose it. I just take care of business. And so I can neither confirm nor deny whether myself or someone on our staff may have obtained a pair of bolt cutters. And one night after Miss Ruby was gone, I can't say whether or not that lock may have suddenly burst asunder. And I can neither confirm nor deny whether myself or somebody on my staff went into town and bought another lock and had two keys and put that lock on there. And the next morning, walked into Miss Ruby and said, had to get into that room. Here's your key to the new lock. I've got one too. He say, you're a jerk. Man, you are messed up. No, I just wanted what was ours that was locked up that I was told that I couldn't get to. And when I think about that, I'm reminded of something that happened in Scripture one time. In Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Joshua chapter 6, if you've got a Bible with you, great. If you don't, I'm going to read it. It's super straightforward, super easy to follow along with. Joshua chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. And then I'm going to read one more verse down the way to help us out. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut. A.K.A. Miss Ruby had me locked out of the room we used to call the Holy of Holies. The gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark each carrying a ram's horn, and on the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing their horns. I don't know. I, how, how did I miss this in kids' church? I always thought they marched around quietly the whole time. No, they're blowing horns the whole time. Okay, and so when you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout. Could I just pause right there? All the people Now, it was the fighting men who were marching, and the priests were with them. But do you know who shouted when it came time to shout? Everyone in the Israelite camp. That's not the message. That's just good. Preach that some other time. It's a good word. Okay, and and so when, when you hear that, then have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse, and the people can charge straight into the town. Skip down to verse 20 with me, okay? So all of that in there from... Verse 6 to 19 is also important. I'm not trying to ignore this. I'm just trying to wrap up what happened after God said that to Joshua. Okay, so you ready? Verse 20. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Right? So exactly what God said was going to happen, happened. 
Join me with a quick word of prayer. Lord, help us today to get a hold of this, to grab, to grab on to this, to understand these truths today, Lord. Help us to be able to know truth and to take it away with us this week so that we can obtain all that you have for us to obtain and that we can fulfill our purpose and our destiny on this planet. In your name we pray, amen. Excuse me, there are two truths, two truths that we have to understand before we leave today. Two truths. Aren't you glad there's not three? That means you're going to get to lunch sooner, probably. Two truths. The first is this, there are gates. Say it with me today, out loud, one, two, three. There are gates. There are gates. There are gates. The enemy has shut the gates of what God desires to bless you with in order to keep you from getting those blessings. There are gates. He builds walls around the blessings that God has set aside for you, and he shuts the gates tightly and tries to keep you from receiving those blessings. But why? Why would the enemy shut the gates tightly to something that God has promised you. And the answer is simple. It's right there in scripture. He's afraid of you. He's afraid of you. You see, it's not that he just wants to, he's not just trying to be mean and keep you from it. He's afraid of you. It's that, well, go back to this. You may not think that you scare the devil. You may look at it and say, Alan, you don't understand. When I pray, it feels like my prayers just hit the ceiling and bounce back down. Alan, you don't understand. I don't witness to people every day. Alan, you don't understand. I, I, I don't praise God as well as some other. God, Alan, why would the devil be afraid of me? Listen, you're a child of the king. He's made you promises. And, and you need to understand this. Think about this. In Joshua chapter 2, if you jump back a few chapters, this is what it says. <clears throat> because Joshua had sent spies into the town to make sure that everything was ready for them to attack. And they almost got caught. But a prostitute named Rahab hid them. And so this is what it says. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the excuse me, the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. And that first verse that we read said the gates were shut tightly because they were afraid of the Israelites. They're afraid of God's people. The enemy knows that as a child of God, you're going to win. You're going to succeed. You're going to overcome. You're going to conquer. He has seen what God has done for you in the past and for other believers. And he knows that God is just going to keep on giving you victory. And he knows that the scripture says God causes us to triumph. And he says that God has made us more than conquerors. He knows those scriptures too. And so he shuts the gates 
to what God has promised you out of fear of his defeat. And it's really a last-ditch effort to try to slow you down. The enemy knows whose you are. The enemy knows whose you are, and the enemy knows you'll be able to accomplish for the kingdom of God amazing things if you receive the blessing that God has set aside for you. He knows what you can do if you get your health. He knows what you can do if you get debt free. He knows what you can do if that relationship is restored. He knows what kind of testimony you're going to have if you get free from depression. And so he lives in fear of you receiving God's blessing because he knows that as soon as you receive that blessing, it spells defeat for him. He's going to lose territory, and so he tries to slow you down. There are gates standing in the way of some of you receiving what God has for you today. You walked into this service trying to figure out, how am I going to get past this gate? You got something in life that you're up against. And you came in here and maybe you didn't say anything to anybody else. Maybe you didn't even keep your hand up in the air when it was time for prayer. But in your mind, you're thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get past the gate of overdue bills? How am I going to get past the gate of a broken heart? How am I going to get past the gate of being rejected? Listen, there are gates. It's a truth. It's a fact. I don't know what you want to call it. It's reality. There are gates. But I told you there's two truths that we have to know today. The first is that there are gates, but the second one is this. That along with gates, when we sometimes come up against those devil's gates, we got to understand that there are also promises. Come on, somebody say, there are promises. Yeah, God has promised to give you those blessings that are located on the other side of those gates, and the devil cannot keep you from what God has promised. Mercy. Listen, I'll get to waving this white hanky here in a minute if we're not. Okay, and what the Lord has spoken to you and told you, that he's given you a certain blessing, you're going to move forward in that. You're going to move forward in your destiny, and no gate of hell can stand in your way when he's promised it to you. When the Lord has told you this, you can count on it. When you approach what God has promised and and you find the gates to it shut tightly, you should just rejoice right then. That's your moment. You look and you go, oh, he shut the gates. There's something good behind there for me. This is going to work out. This is going to be awesome. You go, no, man, I'm bummed out. There's gates. I got to, what am I going to do? No, no, no. Listen, it's good news. You're going to win. That's what you're going to do. You're going to win. You're going to get what God has promised, and the devil can't stop you. He can only slow you down a little. Come on, man. You see, promises remind us of two things. First of all, what's behind those gates is already yours. In our main passage, the Lord says to Joshua, chapter 6, verse 2, I have given you... Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. Now, I don't know everything about English. I promise you, I just got the edits back on that book. I promise you, I don't know everything about English. But what I do know is that I have given is past tense. It's already been done. I have given it to you. It's already there. It's already yours. God's already given the blessing 
and it already belongs to us. He says, I have given you healing. I have given you provision. I have given you freedom from addiction and bondage. I have given you wisdom and guidance and direction. I have given. And the enemy is trying to shut the gates to something that already belongs to you. In other words, the devil is trespassing on your property. Now, I may, I may be small, but I'm scrappy. And I got news for you. I told you I could be pushed a long way. But if I roll up into my house sometime, and I see some sucker sitting in my chair that I don't know, that doesn't belong there, and he's watching my TV and eating my food, and I see that he broke in, and he's got no business being, I'll be like, who are you? What are you doing in here? Be like, call 911. Just tell him send an ambulance. Forget the cops. See, I grew up in Texas. It was legal to shoot somebody if they were on your property. You might have to drag them and make them hang them out the window, make it look like they were trying to escape because there were some pretty, pretty clear rules, but you could shoot them. I'm not going to let somebody come up in my house and take my stuff. But we do it with the devil, don't we? We're like, huh? What, what am I going to do? I mean, like, the devil shut the gates. He's got my stuff. Come on, y'all. It's Berwick. We don't do that here. He's holding it illegally. Can I just pause right here? Because while I was praying and preparing for this message and this time together, I, I just sense like the Lord says that the enemy's been holding some things behind gates, not just from you personally, but from this church. As a body, there's some things he's promised you, and those promises are true. And those gates may look shut right now, but they ain't staying shut. What the devil's trying to hold, amen, what the devil's trying to hold and keep from you, man, it's not his. Don't let him have it. Don't let him have those lost loved ones. Don't let him have those things that, he, that God said was yours. Second thing he promises remind us of is the devil's gates can't stop us. When we walk in obedience to the Lord, we walk in his favor, gates will crumble in front of us. God is fighting for us. Those gates can't stop the God who made the promise. That's what Rahab was telling the Israelite spies. She was like, we've heard. Like nothing can stop your God. You know, it's not that we think that we couldn't stop you. We can't stop your God. The God who made you those promises, the enemy can't stop him. He's supreme. And I'm reminded of Romans 8 where Paul asked the rhetorical question, if God is for us, who could ever be against us? He answers his own question for the readers. He said, since he did not even spare his own son but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? And I know it's dealing with grace and being right with God, but, but that's true to God's character. If he's promised it, 
He's going to follow through. So understand the uh, promises as it relates to gates. That I know I've talked a lot about the gates, but you got to understand that there was more to it than that. God said, I've already given you, I have given you Jericho. That's the town, that's the walls, that's the gate, that's the buildings, it's all the natural resources. It was everything that relates to possessions. He said, yours, it's all yours to just go in. He said, I've given you its king, that's the leadership. Everything that relates to authority. And God promised no wrongful authority would be able to keep Joshua from what God had promised. No leader would be able to rally forces against Joshua. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. And listen, there's no authority, no ruler that can stop us from what God has promised. He said, I'm giving you its strong warriors. I've given them to you, Joshua. That's its defense. Anything that relates to attacks, God promised Joshua no military could defend against him. And there's nothing that could come against you. Right? I mean, I'm reminded of Isaiah 54, 17, where the Lord promises no weapon formed against you will prosper or prevail, and words spoken against you won't hurt at all. No gate can block you. No leader can outsmart and outmaneuver you. No attack can affect you when God has promised you victory. Archaeology shows that the walls of Jericho did not fall outward in a pile that the Israelites had to climb over to try to get into the city. It also shows they did not fall inward and crumble into a pile that the Israelites would have to climb over. Instead, archaeology proves what Scripture says. The walls simply collapsed straight down into the ground as if they fell through a trap door. They just crumbled and fell straight down into the ground. Why? Why Why is that important? Because God promised Joshua, you'll be able to charge straight in and take what I've given to you with no problem. And we skip down to verse 20, and I read it on purpose to you to say that exactly what God said would happen, happened. That they charged straight in with nothing hindering them, and they took it. And by the way, God was so precise, Rahab's family's house was built into the wall. And so everything crumbled, and yet Rahab's family was saved. And so God promises that no gate can stand in your way when you have a promise from him. They may be standing in our way, but what's behind them is already ours. Let me give you an illustration. I remember I mentioned Alex and Austin. Alex is nine, and Austin is six, and six and a half. Don't we get that wrong. I was telling Pastor Mo earlier, when you're six, the half matters, so he's six and a half, and he'll tell you. And, and I remember before we could have kids, see, we struggled with infertility for about seven years. And before we ended up having Alex, and, and obviously that kind of gives away part of the story there, but uh, throughout that process, we began to try to adopt from China. It was supposed to take nine to 12 months that wasn't happening. It ended up that we were in that process for six years before we finally had to get out. After having two kids and everything had changed so much, we just weren't at a place to, to be able to do that at that point. We ended up having to get out. We would have basically had to start all over again. And in those times when we had not been able to have kids yet, there were some pretty dark moments. And I was 
serving the district. I was traveling, and I can remember on more than one occasion getting up on a Sunday morning like I did today, hopping in that vehicle, hitting the road, and on my way there saying to the Lord, now look, y'all can think badly of me if you want to, okay? Let me just pause and insert this. You can think badly all you want, but this is what it was. I remember saying to the Lord, God, I got a sermon in that notebook, and I can preach it. But I don't know what you expect me to say to them today. You won't even answer my prayers. How can I tell them you're going to answer theirs? He said, he didn't strike you with lightning? No, thank him. (laughs) Praise God. But that's where I was at. I said, God, I I don't want to tell you. I I was seeing preacher's kids getting pregnant outside of wedlock. We're trying to do everything right. God, you're not blessing us with kids. Family members. Nope, slipped up and had an accident. Going to have to get married. God, we're serving you. We're loving you. We're doing everything we can, and this gate is shut against us. And one of those days, in that vehicle, traveling down the road, the Lord said to me, hey, you take care of my kids and I'll take care of yours. I understood what he meant in that moment. We were leading teenagers and I understood that my role was to to serve them and to lead them and to pour into them. But what some people would have missed in that is that I got a promise. Because he said, you take care of my kids and I'll take care of yours. And the moment he said, yours, I said, "Uh uh-oh, now we got a promise. Because what the Lord just said to me was that if I would do what he says, he's going to give me kids. And that doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter. It might be 100 years. Uh, It may take 20, 25 years like Abraham and Sarah. But I got news. He just told me he would give me kids. And he didn't say kid. He said kids. And I didn't know how that was going to happen, whether it was going to happen by adoption or whether it was going to happen biologically or what was. I didn't know if he was going to make them poof and just appear. I didn't know. But what I knew was all I was supposed to do was keep my nose to the grindstone, do what the man told me to do, and he was going to come through, and I was going to get what was on the other side of those gates that belonged to me. And I'm telling you, it wasn't but a couple months later that I found out that Angela was pregnant with Alex. And we thought that might be the only child. We stayed in the adoption process. We wanted more. God said, I'm with kids, plural. So we're having kids. And that still wasn't working out. And then a couple years later, here comes Austin. And I tell you that today to tell you that the gates may seem locked against you, but the enemy can't stop you. Would you, would you mind playing for me? This one would be fantastic. I, I've, I've said this enough. I've, I've gone everywhere around Jericho today to tell you this story. It's two truths. There are gates, but there are promises. And I think those truths drive us to some questions this morning that we need to come up against. These questions are not always easy. It's just like that. God, what do you want me to do? God's big enough to handle our questions. So let me ask you today, what gates are shut tightly against you today? Today? 
what is it that the devil is trying so hard to keep you from? Because he knows if you get it, you'll fulfill your destiny during your time on this planet. What gates are shut? Second, what promise has God given you about that? Oh, Alan, I, I didn't, I haven't had a glorious experience like that. I mean, has he already promised you, though, something from his word? Because listen, this is chock full of promises. And he's not changing. He's not backing off of these. Maybe he has promised you something in prayer. And then what are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit around and mope like I was pretending to do? The guy breaks into my house. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? Or are you going to you're going to rise up in holy boldness and say, no, not today, devil. I listened to Hillsong United, sing it. Let the devil know, not today. Not today. You're going to lay hold of what rightfully belongs to you as a child of the Supreme. You don't have to put up with shut gates. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. You don't have to give up and go a different direction. You don't have to walk away from your destiny. I was talking with a a lady just this past week and it broke my heart. Broke my heart. All she wanted was to be married and have kids. Today she's in her mid-50s and single. And she just wept. And she told me, She said, I guess that's just not God's plan for my life. And I wanted to scream back and say, don't give up. I know the gates are shut. I know, but there's a promise. There's a promise. Man, you need a promise from God. Are there gates of sickness shut up? shutting you away from health so you aren't strong enough to fulfill your destiny? Get a hold of Psalm 107.20. It says God has sent out his word and healed them. Are there gates of debt shutting you away from financial freedom to pursue the work God's given you? Get a hold of Philippians 4.19. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Whatever gate is shut against you today, Remember, the devil's defeated. What's behind those gates belongs to you. And when God has made you a promise about it, no force in hell can keep it from you. The gates of hell will not prevail. Back in the day, we used to have Jericho marches. Anybody ever been in one of those? And we've marched around buildings. We've marched around property. We've marched around sanctuaries. We've marched around whatever. I'm not at... That was great. I had great moments of encounter with the Lord during that. I'm not about to start one today in case you're worried. I was going to do a foot washing, but I thought I'd cast that out too. Okay, anyway. But here's what I'm saying. I've still got some gates that are shut in front of me today. That's okay. I also have promises so the gates don't worry me so much anymore because I know 
it ain't long, devil. All I got to do is do what he says. I'll march around this sucker. We'll blow the horns. We'll praise him. We will shout and you will lose. And eventually I will get what God has promised to me. And you will be defeated, but I will fulfill my destiny. And that's not just for me because I'm a preacher today. We were joking earlier. I used to have a title. Now I'm just a guy who loves Jesus. Just a guy. Just like you. So what are your gates? What promise has God given you? And what are you going to do about it? Would you stand with me this morning? Super simple. Super simple. In just a moment. And I don't do this everywhere. I don't always do this. I don't think this has to take a long time. Personally, this is just me. I don't know where you're at in your journey with the Lord. I've been in the services where I needed to tarry and pray through. I just don't have the sense that that maybe is what the way the Lord's going about all this. I think some of us just need a promise from God. We need to be reaffirmed in that. But in just a moment, I'm going to count to three and give you the opportunity to come forward. You say, why are you counting to three? Well, because one is too short and five is too many. I'm just not that spiritual. Okay, there's no, no spiritual depth to this, just three. Okay, when I say three, I'm going to invite you to step out. If you have a gate in your life, something that seems like it's really been holding you back, but you, you really need a promise from God and you want to break through to that. You want to see victory in that area of your life. Maybe it's a habit that you need to break. Maybe it's a relationship that needs to be restored. Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's a health need. I don't know. It could be anything. Student, maybe you just need to get a C in that class. All right? I understand. But listen, you know what? Let me go one step further. You might have walked in here today. You may say, Alan, that's all good for all you church people and everything, but I'm not really a God person yet. You know what I love about this account? The woman who saved the spies was not a God person yet. She was a prostitute. A woman of the evening. I will avoid cruder terms. We probably would not have hung out with her. At least not on Sunday morning at 1030. But God made her a promise. He said, because you have turned your heart toward me, I'm going to spare you. That's not the end of the story. She goes on to be in the ancestral line of Jesus, our Savior. What? God used a prostitute? Listen, you walked in here today, you're not right with God. There's a gate in your way, but you've got a promise. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's to everybody, y'all. Everybody. So there's, this is going to be wide open today. Anybody that says, I got a gate and I need a promise and I want to break through to what God has for me.